What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 13 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. Make sure to check out all of the different podcasts on in the Blue Wire Hustle program. And also make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we've got a mid-season Villanova basketball check-in episode today as we're midway through the season. Yeah, some perfect time to, to check in on the Wildcats and really kind of review what we've seen so far and look forward to, uh, to what is still to come here. Uh, it's crazy, you know, season started end of November and we're almost in February already. So we're, we're getting there. Um, Villanova, Villanova, of course, missed basically a month of action mm-hmm. in, in between that, but they are currently sitting at 10 and one, uh, especially with us sitting right now in the week before Super Bowl week, we thought it was a, a very nice time to uh, to do a full-on uh, episode on the Villanova Wildcats. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, we've said it in the, the recap episodes too. The layoff for Villanova, I think, undervalued the visibility of the team. But mm-hmm. the Cats are ranked third in the nation. They're 10-1 overall. They're undefeated in Big East play. There are a lot of good things going for this team right now. A lot to be excited about in the last stretch of the season. I certainly think so. I, I, I think that they're definitely, especially coming out of that tough 27 day layoff to come away with two hard fought wins over solid opponents. And of course, a big game coming up on Thursday night and Saturday afternoon as yeah. well. Uh, but I, I think you have to be pretty happy with where they are at the moment. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So let's let's separate this episode into three big questions that you and I will both answer. Mm-hmm. We'll start. I'll pose it to you first. What's the biggest thing that stuck out to you so far about the games Villanova has played? So I will say it's it's not even about the games they have played. There is one thing and one player that has stuck out to me this season above the rest, and that is Colin Gillespie. And my friends, Colin Gillespie has made what they call the jump from just a year ago to where he is today. His numbers are 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 honestly phenomenal looking across Ken Palm, which mostly does things in efficiency. You know, just a year ago in in his offensive rating, he ranked 457th in the country. He's 41st right now in the country. He's first in the Big East Conference uh, in offensive rating. He's first in effective field goal. He's first in true shooting percentage. He is, he's been phenomenal for Villanova this season. He was just announced as one of the top 10 on the Bob Cousy award for best point guard in the nation. I think for a lot of Gillespie's career, there's kind of been a slow burn with people getting on board with, with Colin Gillespie. Of course, we've all known about the leadership aspect and how perfect he is fitting this team from an intangible side, but especially during his senior year this year, he has been incredible on the floor, especially offensively. And he has turned himself into one of the best guards in the entire country. Yeah. I, everything you just said is spot on. I think the biggest compliment I can give Gillespie is that he is the perfect embodiment of a Villanova basketball player. For sure. He fits the system perfectly. He's the perfect coachable player and the way he was the type of player he was in high school too, with the very few recruitment offers and for him to come to Villanova train under the greats of Jalen Brunson and Mikhail Bridges. He missed Ryan Archidiakno by a year, but just the, the, the uh, like the evolution of point guards. That's the word I was looking for the way they've been passed down all of these traits. 
And it'll be interesting to see who the next one is after Gillespie. But he's that guy who's been there forever. And the way you described it is perfect. He made the jump this year. He leads the team in almost every single category. But his numbers aren't especially eye-popping. And that's why I'm so excited. You, I'm so happy, too, that you brought up those efficiency numbers because that's what matters. And that's what makes him so invaluable to this team. The this one thing that stuck out to me so far about this season, my own take is that I think Villanova has potentially the two best players in the country at their respective positions. And one of those guys is Colin Gillespie. He's one of the best point guards in the country, no question. And I think it's just as much about his leadership style and how he, how he just absolutely takes control of this team. And we've seen it because of how poor Villanova plays when Gillespie isn't on the court. Yeah, it's we've talked about it in some recaps before, but it's night and day for how Nova performs when, when Gillespie is on the floor as to compared to when he's not both offensively and defensively, but especially offensively. Just nothing clicks uh, like it does once, once Gillespie is on the floor. And I really think that that's where those efficiency numbers absolutely come into the fray and why it's so important on top of that as well. He's his turnover percentage. He's cut so drastically. It was 14% last year was his turnover rate. He's down to 8%, which is again, it's a pretty big jump to be able to make the cut your, your turnovers down that drastically. He's running the offense so, so strongly. We know what he's doing shooting-wise. Three-point-wise, he's been very strong. Has hit some deep threes. Has hit some important threes for this team. Uh, for me, I know we talked about it in the preview, how important Colin Gillespie was to everything for how this team runs, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's not just about how the team runs. It's how good he has been on the floor, and he deserves so much credit for it and a ton of praise, and that's why he's on that Koozie Award watch list. That's an interesting distinction you just made because there's one thing to be the linchpin of this offense, but it's also what his production numbers look like. And it's the distinction of winning that award potentially. That's interesting that you pointed that out there because I think his numbers do give a lot of merit to why he is a potential candidate for this, for the Bob Cousy award. Oh, he deserves to be up there at around 16 points per game. He's he's a decent rebounder for a guard, four assists per game. And then the big thing is he's shooting 44% from the field it's that's phenomenally efficient uh and i i believe he certainly deserves to be in the conversation it's it's tough this year you've got guys like cade cunningham the freshman jalen suggs freshman point guards as well that are you know all all world basically coming out and will be top 10 picks in the nba draft but do not forget about the senior guard here at villanova the 44 percent from three really stuck out to me too because Villanova lost its three-point threat in Sadiq Bay last year to the to the draft. So Gillespie knew coming into this year that that was a part of the game of the game that he needed to elevate, and it slotted perfectly. He's the three-point scoring leader on this team by heads and shoulders, really, and just the awareness that he had that he knew that was something the Cats needed to get better at, and he was able to slot right in. He's the leading scorer in half the games. Is the leading assist guy in, in half their games. Everything just comes together for Gillespie, and it's why Jay Wright seems to love to coach him so much. Oh, certainly. And isn't it crazy that he's shooting higher from three-point percentage than he is from the field? And yes, yes. It's, it's by <laughs> it's by 0.3 of a percent. So he's he's very consistent there with 44.3% from the field and 44.6% from deep. 
But as we've said, I, I could rave on and on and on about Gillespie. The other thing to look at, too, he's shooting 86% from the free throw line. He's the guy who you want with the ball in his hands in late game situations and uh, has been really the, stir- the straw that stirs the drink for Villanova this season. Luckily, he was the guy on the line in that Providence game where those free throws really mattered on the stretch, too. Yeah, so Gillespie is the linchpin, like I said. His progression from year to year has been amazing to watch. And then, of course, the duo that makes this Villanova team run is Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And I Mm -hmm. also think he is a front candidate for the Carl Malone Power Forward Award. And he is, you know, him and Colin Gillespie hand in hand with the top of the leaderboard for this Villanova team for Robinson Earl. It's the emergence. We saw it a little bit last year. So maybe emergence isn't the perfect word, but what he's able to do with that mid range shot and from three as well, 26% from three, which isn't amazing, but from the floor 50%, he's also able to operate in the paint in the post, the rebound numbers are high. The turnover numbers are a little bit of a concern, but Robinson, I mean, talking about taking the jump, Robinson Earl came into this season lauded as a potential draft lottery pick, and that's exactly what he's turned out to be. Yeah, he, he's so important for how Villanova runs things, especially on offense, is that Nova loves to run kind of that inside-out game where if you can get it to him and then Robinson Earl can try to find guys in space to be able to come up with shots. That's how the offense really operates well, which is why I think it's even surprising that Villanova has come away with scoring over 70 points and come away with wins where he's really struggled the past two games to, to get involved uh, offensively and defensively. I mean, only shooting three of 12 and then four of 11, nine and eight points, uh, one rebound against Seton Hall. He, he definitely has struggled post this COVID break, uh, but I mean, just watch for the full body of work that we've gotten out of Jeremiah this season. He's a phenomenal player. He's really important. Uh, as I said, I think, I honestly think his key for them is how he affects spacing on mm. this Villanova offense and giving them a presence on defense in the post as well. Yeah. And, and being in the post so that then he can kick it out to the shooters like yep, Gillespie exactly. and, and Daniels too. But I mean, I'm also concerned about the offensive numbers since the layoff. But if you think about the two defensive assignments he's had in these past two games, hmm. it's Nate Watson, who's one of the best bigs in the country, and Sandro Mamoukiasvili, who is also one of the best bigs in the country. And he's been able – he completely shut down Watson. Mamou had a great game, but Villanova still came away with the win. So if you're thinking about it in bulk like that, he succeeded on defense both times there. Yes, and big things to point out as well. He played 38 and 36 minutes in those games. After the layoff with limited practice time. Yeah, so the the shooting stroke is certainly not there yet, and I would like to see him make more of a – more of a dent on the boards with only six rebounds over the last two games when he's averaging about seven rebounds per game. Um, But I I still think that, as I said, looking over the body of work, he has been so important to how Villanova operates. And as you said, is one of the better power forwards in the entire country. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I think if I were to ask you right now, what makes Gonzaga so good, it's that they have so many elite players at each position. And I think you could say the same for Villanova. They have two elite players at two of their most important positions. They obviously highly value the point guard position and they highly value the power forward position. And you could see Gillespie and Jeremiah Robinson Earl coming away with those awards. Yeah, they'll definitely be be in the conversation for these awards as we move down the stretch of the season, uh, especially with the you know, Big East. They're going up against tough opponents every single night. Yeah. It'll, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. 
All right. So second question, I'll ask you first again. What was something you said either in our preview episode that was that was months ago at this point, or even something in the recaps that you would either like to double down on or, or kind of tamper since we have the sample size so far? Yeah, sure. So what what I said in going back to reviewing the tapes of what we said in the preview was that I was all in on Caleb Daniels. And I thought that he would have instant impact and come away as one of as a player that was really going to have a, just a play a massive part of this team. And in a way, I, I think I was right with it. I honestly, he's played more minutes than I thought he was going to uh, from uh, straight from the jump. Uh, and while he has had an impact, I don't think he's fully gotten into his groove yet for Villanova. I, I think he is a player that right now is is wonderful to have as a role player while Gillespie and Robinson Earl really lead the charge. I think you've had Justin Moore having a very nice season as well on top of that. So I look at Daniels as kind of a fourth option for the team right now. And I think that's great while he gets his feet underneath him. Uh, again, another guy that I would say a small sample size here, very small sample size since the restarts kind of struggled a little bit. It was held scoreless against Seton Hall, uh, 12 points on three of nine shooting against Providence. He's also one of the Villanova players that had COVID. So could that could 100% be a factor in it, but even extending it past that, I feel like there have been just a couple of games where uh, anonymous probably isn't the fair way to put it, but he just hasn't really put his imprint on the game. And I expected a little more from him in that way. I think you're right. And it's, I'm trying to think back of, of other players where we've seen this happen. So he came from Tulane so he had the year off Mm -hmm. where he was able to acclimate to this Villanova system you see it with freshmen freshmen usually don't start in Jay Wright's system because there's just too much external and internal factors he gives them a year so that when come sophomore year they can really make an impact yeah almost never other than last year with with other than last year exactly with more and and Jerry so with Daniel's Maybe in, in a freshman-like situation, we wouldn't have expected so much from him this season. But just no. the way things worked with the loss of Bay, and we thought Daniels would come in and really be a, a true factor on this team, not the fourth option at all. So I'm wondering what if our expectations were too high, if the numbers for Tulane weren't a good – if they weren't completely realistic – Mm-hmm. Now, now in the Big East, a much more competitive conference. I think that's a I big think, part of it. I think his shot is there. I think there are times when he looks lost in the sequence, and I'm hoping that it's just going to be more time. I think so. I mean, to be that. fair for him as well, he's shooting 48% from the field. Yeah. So it's not even though that he's been incredibly inefficient. It's just that he hasn't put his stamp all over things. And then we talk about Gillespie as well and kind of that intangible leadership wise. I think Daniels honestly fits into that role really well. I mean, you, you see him on the broadcast all the time. He's always kind of up there in his teammates' faces, pumping them up, cheering them on. And I, I think that's a big part of, of team chemistry. And yeah. it's very nice to see for someone that hasn't, you know, been in the program for years and years and years and was in from the start. Obviously, this is only year two for him, year one of being able to play. I think that's really nice to see. And I do think he's making a strong impact that way. Pat, you cannot underestimate the the difference an energy guy makes. No. You see it with the bench squad every single year. Guys that won't play Villanova minutes in their entire four-year college career, but who matter just as much to this team because of the energy they give from the bench. Caleb Daniels obviously is <laughs> logging those minutes, but I completely agree. Anytime a guy takes a charge, Caleb Daniels seems to be the first guy picking the guy up. You know, He's bought him- in. 
Yeah, giving him a high five. He, I, I like that energy point because if Gillespie has the leadership, then then Daniels brings the energy, and they both matter a lot. Yeah, for sure. So he's it's I, it's not fair to say that he hasn't fully lived up to expectations because there have been games this year where he has played very very well, but I don't think you've gotten the consistent scoring output that a lot of us expected. Yeah, consistency I think is the is the word to watch there. You there. Go. And, and of course, I, I actually, I think we're being too harsh about the two games back because if he was dealing with COVID, then exactly. it's unbelievable that he's even playing right now anyway. <laughs> no, no, he's to play. He, so he's logged 38 minutes in the two games yeah. combined. It's coming off of a COVID positive test. You know, obviously we're, we're still figuring out how much that can affect your body after you've uh, recovered from it. Recovered, I say in quotes. So yeah. especially playing those type of minutes in tough Big East basketball, it's a, it's got to be hard to come back. From. And not practicing. No. not pra- It seems like he literally didn't practice at all before he came back. So. Pretty much. He got a couple yeah. days in. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. So my thing is the other side of that. So you're talking about the fourth option with Daniels. I'm talking about the sixth, seventh, eighth option. So mm-hmm. in the preview episode, I talked a lot about Villanova's bench depth and how in the past Villanova has been an incredibly starter reliant team. And unfortunately, I think the team is falling back into that theme again. I wanted a lot out of Brian Antoine. I wanted a lot out of Demir Cosby, Roundtree, Cole Swider, Brandon Slater, Eric Dixon, and I haven't been super impressed with the bench play so far. Antoine and Cosby Roundtree obviously have not played because of injuries. It seems like Antoine, so actually Demir Cosby Roundtree today, as we record on yes. a Tuesday, just had surgery. He's out indefinitely. So that's a real bummer for him in his senior season. And then obviously the, the length and the, the body that we had on defense, especially, but while, while Swider, Slater, and Dixon a little bit, he's in that uh, red shirt year, what we were just talking about with Daniel, so we didn't expect too much out of him. But Swider and Slater are logging the minutes, but I haven't been super impressed by what they're giving off the bench offensively. Cole is logging almost 21 minutes, mm-hmm. but he's only shooting 36% from three. And that is literally the only reason why he's there shooting those threes. And he hasn't been automatic to me. And Slater, uh, we've, we've talked about this a lot. Slater is automatic on defense, Yep. but neither of those guys is somebody that you can count on to come in and really make an impact for Villanova. Like you just said, and that means the team has to rely more on these five starters and down the stretch and in the tournament, it becomes a trap when you have to rely on your starters that much. So I'm a little bit worried. Yes. And I think, I think that's fair. I will say, I think Slater makes an impact just defensively. Of course, offensively, he's not someone that you can rely on. Uh, I am a little nervous about it depth wise here, especially as Villanova is going to be looking to reschedule these games. They're going to be playing a ton of games in a very small time period. And you can't just run these players ragged. And, and that's what I'm afraid of is that we know that Jay likes to rely on his starters and really tighten up his rotation as we get closer and closer to March. Well, the fact is they're going to have to play a ton of games here as they, the big East is still trying to make up every single game in basically a month span uh, leading into conference tournament time. And if, <laughs> you know, if Gillespie's playing 38, 39 minutes a night and you, you, 
matriculate that down and so on and so on, it's going to be really, really hard. So they, yeah. they need to get some sort of option off the bench to, to really help them out uh, on Swider. I agree. I mean, what he's there for is three point shooting and you really haven't gotten it too much. What I will say though, to give him a positive is that the past couple of games, he has not been noticeable on defense and that is the best compliment you can give Cole Swider. And that's not even me trying to be facetious. It's just, no, he hasn't been a liability. No, he hasn't been a liability. And he had, he had seven rebounds against Providence. That's a very nice output for him. But, but like you said, I mean, think back to the the game that's going to vividly stick in my head is that Texas game where Shaka smart targeted him every single possession it's it hasn't been like that lately so you know props to to swider for getting a little bit better there we'll see if he can keep that up consistently uh but i do think they need more of a scoring option off the bench and that leads me into what has really disappointed me this season and it's through no fault of his own but it's just crushing that brian antoine still hasn't gotten into a game yeah i mean we're in his sophomore season now remember this was a five-star recruit coming out of rainy high school in New Jersey and a really was supposed to be in a, an electric talent uh, coming out of high school. And he had the shoulder injury uh, straight from high school that really derailed his freshman season. Another shoulder injury here in early November, which has put him on the shelf. He was finally cleared for practice uh, over the, the COVID break, but uh, coach Wright saying that he still wasn't ready to get into game action. And so now we're in, you know, February, almost February of his sophomore season. And we've yet to really see Brian Antoine get any sort of significant minutes it um it's really disappointing he's someone that i was really excited to try to watch going into the season yeah and as villanova looking for a spark someone off the bench that could provide that you know once antoine gets up to speed if antoine can get up to speed i'd really like for him to get some minutes to at least see what we have there it's he didn't redshirt last year right oh he did yeah so this is his second year of eligibility yep Yep. yeah that was that's what was tough too because i remember when all the rumors were swirling after the end of last season that Antoine was potentially going to transfer yes, because, come out. because maybe he just wasn't clicking with the, the Villanova system. And you, you would think that if he was fully healthy for a year and he could just get his foot out there, that's literally, we haven't even been able to see that in a few minutes he did play. He just looked scared and not completely aware of what was happening all around him, but for how highly touted he was, coming out of high school and how immediate of an impact he was prepared to make. That's exactly what Justin Moore did to mm-hmm. give credit to Moore, which is deserved, but yeah, it is disappointing. And you think you would think now he's cleared, he's ready to play. He has obviously had the time now in the system to learn everything, to learn how this team works. And if he can be the six man that can really make an impact, I think this highly elevates this team, especially in the, the, the quote-unquote postseason as things really start getting start getting interesting yeah it does and and again in no way is this a reflection of brian antoine he has had horrible injury luck that is not it's not his fault uh but it is very very disappointing that is what we're this far into his nova career yet and yet to really see him at all but i i do still hold out hope that that he can bring them some sort of spark off the bench. I mean, we, we saw it in very limited quantities last year, but he's a very, very quick dribbler. He's got plenty of speed. We didn't really see it with the jump shot, but he is able to get to the rim. He's got a ton of athleticism. Uh, it, it's just a player that I think Villanova could really, really benefit from, especially coming off the bench as a little bit of a change of pace. Yeah, I totally agree. And one thing that I will say that does 
make me feel good about this bench depth is Eric Dixon. And we knew that this wasn't going to be the year of Eric Dixon. He still is only a It's not always pretty. (laughs) No, but he he has played in every single game. He actually averages almost nine minutes a game. So it's it's pretty significant time that Jay Wright is giving him to be on the court. It's it's unfortunately the opposite of Antoine. Dixon is able to learn from the mistakes that he makes on the court. And I think Dixon will be a huge part of this team in year three or year four. Yeah, I would agree with that. This is a building block here for for Dixon. This is all about development. Uh, This is all about him getting his feet wet. And you know what? He's done a very adequate job at doing that. He's provided Villanova with some solid minutes when he's come in. Yes, there are still times where it looks like he's a little lost on on defense or there have been some bad turnovers that have happened for him. But he's a freshman. And this is definitely more of a development project with Eric Dixon, but I think you see a ton of potential flash with him and it is, it's exciting for the future for what Nova can have with kind of a more of a hybrid big man. That is in every sense of the word though, a big man. Yeah. But that leads perfectly into what I was just going to say, because what he's been able to do conditioning wise is Mm -hmm. very impressive. He dropped a ton of pounds. He made himself into a leaner version of this player who can now who's lethal in the paint, but maybe he continues to develop that jump shot. And we see more of a, even a JRE type breed. For sure. Yeah. Dixon is definitely more of that long-term project more than the Justin Moore and the Jeremiah Robinson Earl start as a freshman from day one. But you have seen glimpses of, of what I think this coaching staff is so excited for. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. So that leaves us with, with what we're looking ahead. We're looking ahead to the rest of the season. Yeah, so uh, we're start as I said, starting to get into the home stretch. You know, with a, a bunch of games on on Villanova's radar, basically as we get into closer to, to conference tournament time. What is one game that you're really looking forward to? Well, that's a good question. So I'm going to say the rematch with Seton Hall. Actually, mm. so it's, Saturday. it's only two games away. It's this Saturday. I think. The, the fact that Villanova was come, able to come away with the win after 27 days off, that doesn't sit right with the Pirates at all. And that was the, the recap episode that I hosted solo, but I talked a lot about how the Seton Hall and Villanova games come down to it every single matchup. It doesn't matter that Miles Powell isn't there anymore. It doesn't matter that Sadiq Bey is there anymore. Seton Hall shows up to play, and I think they're going to bring a lot to this second matchup at home for them, especially because it ready for this cliche here, the game literally fell through their fingers. <laughs> uh-huh. that, that was great. Mamu is still thinking about that. He's losing sleep because that pass went through his fingers, the chance to win the game there. I think that's going to be a great game uh, coming up on Saturday. We know how hard Seton Hall always plays Villanova. As you said, this one's a little personal after they were not able to capitalize a little bit of rust from Villanova in game one back. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun game on, on Saturday. And it's a, it's definitely a good one to spotlight. Yeah, it is. And the other thing is just, again, it's another year of really competitive big East play. Absolutely. We thought last year, every single team in the conference had the opportunity to go up, go out there and upset a team. And I think you see the same thing. Maybe not Georgetown this year, maybe not DePaul, but I'm nervous about, Seton Hall, Creighton, Xavier, UConn, all of these teams are mm-hmm. tournament teams. And yeah. that's what makes the Big East so fun because you're obviously seeing it out of the Big 12, the Big 10, et cetera. 
But the Big East is a basketball conference, and we're seeing some serious contenders this year. We certainly are seeing some serious contenders, and one of them for sure is is the Creighton Blue Jays. And I think it would be easy for me to kind of go towards that game, especially on February 13th uh, at Creighton. That's going to be a, a massive, massive matchup here and will be fun to watch. But a game that I'm really looking forward to is the February 20th game. It's University of Connecticut coming to Villanova and why I yeah. say why I say that one and not this upcoming game on Thursday is just because I think that James Booknight might be ready for a return from his elbow surgery by then uh, he will be out on Thursday we don't know for sure if he'll be ready uh, by that that second game against UConn but the Huskies are tough they they're tough I mean they've got more options than just book night with, with RJ Cole and a cook, a cook. They are, I really like what Dan Hurley is building there. I think they're only going to benefit from now being back in the big East, especially recruiting wise. Um, and this is going to be, you know, the, the first time that, that UConn will take on Villanova at Villanova back in the conference when we get to that February 20th game. And I think it's going to be an absolute battle. I mean, they're going to be coming off of a Georgetown game just three days before that uh, sandwiched in, in between St. John's, which plays everyone really hard with that, uh, with the Mike Anderson press defense. Yeah. It's, it's a tough, tough stretch here for, for the Wildcats. Luckily for them, all three of them are at home, which is the, the best thing they could have hoped for, for a yeah, stretch like win. that. But I am very, very excited for that, uh, that second leg of the, the UConn Villanova series next month. It's a good point about book night because they were, they were ranked 25th was yep. I think the highest they ever yeah, got. And now, now they were just pushed out of that with the book night injury. And it's still indefinitely right now, which is, is not encouraging for them at all. No, but he's I supposed just, to return before the end of the season, but they do not have anything yeah. definite down. Yeah. I think if he comes back, they make a stretch, but I literally, I can't even put it into words how important the return of the return to big East conference has been for UConn. For sure. It's literally the first time they've been ranked in years and all it took was for them to go back to the big East. It's insane. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's not to take anything away from the two Creighton matchups as well, as I yeah. said, which will be very, very important games for conference seating and, and <laughs> more so than that as well for, as a measuring stick for both of these teams. But, uh, of, but that's the, the easy pick. Exactly. So you so, listen, you know me. I'm not going with the easy pick. So you con <laughs> it is. They've been falling too. I think Creighton has had some weaknesses lately that that they've got to fix before they get into some of their bigger opponents too. They have. Listen, they're they're built around all offense, and when those shots aren't falling all the time from Zagorowski and Balak, they things <laughs> things don't click as well for them. They uh, they struggle yeah. more with the the tertiary and and fourth options. Yeah. All right. So the last thing I have to, I don't even know where I fall on this, but Trey Patterson yes. is now eligible at Villanova. Yeah. So I, I mean, just quickly on that. So for, for Patterson, he is a four-star recruit coming into the program. He was one of the headliners for the class of 2021, which would have been coming in in the fall, but graduated from high school early. I believe his high school basketball season was canceled this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he looked to kind of accelerate the timeline. He, he was able to successfully enroll at Villanova yesterday, January 25th, for the start of the spring semester. And with, from my understanding, from what comes with that, is that he is eligible to practice with the team. He is eligible for strength and conditioning. And most surprisingly, he is game eligible. Uh, yeah. And on, on top of that, if he does get into a game, uh, which I'm not sure he will, 
uh, but he will be eligible to be able to get into a game. He will still be a freshman come next season. It's kind of a weird situation, right? I, I, I wasn't really familiar with this. I couldn't believe that it was happening. I think it's impressive of him to take it upon himself to, to graduate early and go to Villanova and learn what that system looks like. And from the conditioning perspective, the difference between high school and college basketball has to be huge. But I mean, he picked Villanova over some serious other programs like Tennessee, UCLA, UConn, even Memphis. So Villanova was the school that, that he dreamed about, like a lot of these other guys said. And I think just having the option, I agree with you. I don't think we see a lot of him this year but it gives him an advantage over all the yep. other guys coming in last year because he now gets what, like six extra months and, and that's, maybe more. That's the yeah. important thing is that it get, I don't think this is about this season at all. This is about yeah. getting a leg up for next year that he gets, as you said, six months of practicing with the team, starting his strength and conditioning with coach Shackleton, getting to know the mm-hmm. system, getting acclimated to college. Like they're they're just a bunch of different things and a bunch of advantage. So this pops up in football from time to time. Will you see guys come in for like spring practice and say you, I don't remember a time that I've seen it in basketball, but what I will say is just hats off to the Villanova athletic department, as well as the (laughs) Villanova coaching staff for, for being able to make this happen because there is just, simply no downside to them for, for this happening. They add an extra player to their roster. Again, I will be, incredibly surprised if he sees game action but most importantly he can practice he can join the team he can get a head start on things and he should be able to hit the ground running in the start of the 2021-2022 season yeah but we said it before Villanova is going to need all hands on deck when they're pushing all of these postponed games in so that's you, true. you never know that's you true. never know maybe in he will debut Yes, yeah. it'll be interesting, but uh, definitely an, an exciting point for Villanova sitting at 10 and one right now as we really get into the home stretch with these games Yeah, so we have the Villanova game against UConn on Thursday. You'll get back-to-back days of us. More Did You Hear Pod, best thing ever. What more could you want? Yeah, we'll have a recap episode on that. And then we'll probably have a bunch down the stretch, as we just said, with a lot of games to make up. Yeah, preferably a few less of the weeknight 9 p.m. games. Yeah, those are not ideal. (laughs) Those are not ideal. Not my favorite, to say the least. No. So, all right. So that's our midseason check-in. We're, we're both happy with, with where Villanova is. Obviously the record shows for it and there is still a lot of basketball to be played. Oh yes, there is plenty of games between now and the conference championship week. Yeah. All right. So my number is NFL. So should we mine. go there? Yes. Okay. Perfect. I want you to go first. Cause I want to end with mine. <laughs> oh, now that, that works for me. Um, so this is a fun one. So kind of setting things up for next weekend. My number is one. And that is because once the Super Bowl comes around on February 7th, it will be the first time ever that a Super Bowl is between the last two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Oh my God. I had never thought about it that way. Wow. It, so it's it's the seventh time in, in NFL history that two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks have faced off against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the first time that it is the last two years that they wow. are facing each other. So it'll be very, very exciting. Uh, I, I genuinely don't think you could have hoped for a better quarterback matchup than Brady yeah. versus Mahomes. Tell, me, tell them what you texted me when this was happening. What's oh, that, Roger doing right now? <laughs> I said, we, we will save much of the preview for next week, but as that game was, was happening uh, or winding down really with the chiefs bills game, I, I texted Emma that Roger Goodell was currently crying 
tears of joy in his office that he was going to be able to market a Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl. And I firmly stand by that. The, this is the this is the NFL, the NF that this is the matchup that the NFL dreamed of. Yeah. You truly couldn't. It's the the goat versus the baby goat. That was the best thing I saw it's on Yoda, Twitter. It's Yoda against baby Yoda, as yeah. I also saw on Twitter. It's it's perfect. Yeah. It's every so so mine is very similar. Did you say everything you wanted to about? Yeah, no, that was it because I want to save most of the preview stuff for next week. Yeah, we'll have a ton next week. So I went for I went through about five different numbers that I could have (laughs) said, and they're all about Tom Brady and how unbelievable of a player he is. So the first, just to give some context, when Tom Brady went to uh, to Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Mm. The Tampa Bay Rays made it to the World Series. And now the Buccaneers made it to the Super Bowl. So talk about the impact one player can make on a on a franchise, like seriously. But the Tampa number Bay, the gonna, center of the sports world this year, <laughs> literally, literally. And and of course, it was during COVID, so none of the fan bases could could really enjoy them in the streets. Yes. But, but the number I decided on was forty eight percent, and that is the percent of seasons that Tom. Of seasons in his career that Tom Brady has made the Super Bowl. In 10 of his 21 seasons, Tom Brady has won the Super Bowl. And actually, I'm going to elevate that number to 50% because I'm counting out 2008 when he tore his ACL in week one and was out for the entire season. If you count the healthy seasons of Tom Brady's career, he's made the Super Bowl in 50% of them. It, it's just like to, to wrap your head around it. Like that, that's not how this works. It is the simplest no. way I can put it. That's just, it, it's not, it's, <laughs> you just look back at the, you know, the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You don't get to the Super Bowl once every other year. That's just not yeah. that he's on another level. He is the greatest quarterback to ever play this game. Uh, and it's just, I'm struggling to come up with words around it because what else is there to say? It's just, it's that it's that Tom Brady is starting his fifth Super Bowl since turning 37. And that's more starts than all that one quarterback has in their entire career. It's father time. It's Tom Brady literally doing things. So today we're recording on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. Yes. And as we're hearing all these stories about Kobe Bryant, I'm, I'm sitting there just wishing that I, remembered watching Kobe play and remembering watching his absolute greatness and and thinking as you're watching him oh my god we're never gonna see somebody like this again and that's what I'm doing when I'm watching Tom Brady and I'm just so happy that we're able to watch him it's the same thing with LeBron James it's the same thing we're gonna see with Patrick Mahomes like we've talked about completely what Tom Brady is doing will never be seen again I mean I mean we obviously have him playing against Patrick Mahomes, but especially in his age at this time of his life and his, of his career to be starting that many Super Bowls, to be winning more Super Bowls than the majority of franchises in the NFL. There is absolutely no one greater than Tom Brady. Truly, I won't even take a debate on it anymore. No, there's, there's not. I think it's very striking as well when you see Brady's career playoff wins 
uh, up against NFL franchises for entire playoff wins. And he's yeah. up more than many franchises, honestly, at this point, I believe he's up in the high thirties at this point. And there is no one like Tom Brady. And there's only one person that could ever possibly be like Tom Brady. And it's the man he's playing against in the Super Bowl. But uh, I can't, it's so unbelievable that we get this. We're so lucky. Everybody should be thinking that. We're so lucky that we got this Super Bowl. And that and that's what it is, is do not take this matchup for granted. Yeah. Uh, this is the perfect Super Bowl matchup. The and I, I this is the perfect Super Bowl matchup. Yeah. So probably pencil in like three hours next week to listen to us talk about it. Because that's <laughs> how much more. we're gonna have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. It's gonna be real exciting. And I haven't decided or figured out who I'm picking yet. So it's yeah, I haven't either. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, Tampa Bay has continued to surprise me week in, week out. So maybe I'll have to go with them. We'll we'll see. It'll be it'll be a good one. We're looking forward to that episode. Yeah, but but that'll be good. And then of course we'll have the Villanova recap episodes as we go along as well. Absolutely, yeah. So the next one of those will be up on Thursday night after the Villanova Connecticut game, part one, not the game I'm most excited about. That'll come about a month later. (laughs) But uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Did You Hear podcast on the Blue Wire Hustle network of podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Did You Hear Pod. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, And as I said, we'll be back at it Thursday night for a recap next Wednesday for a Super Bowl preview. And otherwise, Emma, that's a wrap. 